0: Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dave Rinkyu, I will be your host as usual for this next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my right today. Mm. Megan, how you doing? I'm
2: good, I'm good, I'm graduated.
0: Graduated, me as well? Yes. It's so fun.
2: It's weird, it's strange. It's very weird. It's strange. I'm sitting at home. I'm like, what do I do now? Like, <laughs> I guess I go to work. I guess, well, I have a week off. but One week off? Yeah, I took a week off.
0: Okay, well, that's good.
2: But between starting a full-time job and, you know, school, I kind of needed the week Some off.
0: Some vacation. Yeah. Type. Understandable.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to be working a lot, so...
0: Me. Nothing wrong with that. Congratulations <laughs> on getting that job, though.
2: Oh, thank you. It's
0: great to hear. And uh, again, congratulations out there to all the 2012 graduates here at Michigan State University. Uh, definitely a great accomplishment. And congrats everyone out there. Hope everyone had a safe weekend as well. I know you graduated, but we got to maintain the safety out there. Right, uh, children? Uh, we do have a lot to get to in today's program, but we do have two special guests on today's show as well. And first off, Alex, great to have you on the program.
1: Great to be here, Dave. A lot going on in the sports world today.
0: A lot going doing? on, and great to have you on to comment on it.
1: Yeah, great great to be here. Of course, today marks the game 5 shot of Michael Jordan that was back in his prime time years pretty big day today.
0: That's awesome to hear. Jordan, one of my favorite uh, players. I know if you're listening out there, James, I know you don't like him, so you better call him and I rebuttal this pretty... Yeah, he
1: about that.
2: Yeah, he, he couldn't, he couldn't take this. it when
0: I used to, you know, grind uh, him on that, because uh, who doesn't like Michael Jordan? Everyone likes him. <laughs> but we also do have another guest in the house, and that is David. David, great to have you on the show. Uh, great to be here. Uh, good <laughs> to have you, man. Again, we have a lot to get to on today's program. We are going to talk a little Michigan State football news. Kind of talk about the Bowl Championship Series. Um, they are talking about, seriously, going to a playoff system, Mark Hollis, the athletic director for Michigan State, and Brandon uh, Dave Brandon for the University of Michigan have commented on that system, what their thoughts are on it. We'll discuss that a little bit as well. Some other Michigan State news for you. A player leaving, a player getting uh, picked up there by the Redskins. We'll discuss that quite briefly. We'll also talk about the Detroit Tigers. Now 14-13 and 13 in the American League Central Division. Only two games back of the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians winning their first game of the doubleheader today, beating the Chicago White Sox 8-6. What we want to talk about the Tigers... What are you most impressed with and what are you least impressed with 27 games into the season? My marker is always more around a 35 to 40 game mark before I really judge teams, but I think we're still close enough to that to really discuss what we like and what we don't like about the Tigers. we will also going to talk about Junior Seau. Uh, big news here over the weekend and late last week, Junior Seau at the age of 43 committing suicide with a single gunshot wound to his chest which has sparked a lot of debate about the dangers in football, depression, concussions. We're going to get into that and talk about that in depth. We'll also be discussing the Floyd Mayweather-Miguel Cotto fight, which took place here Saturday night in Las Vegas. But more importantly, will Pacquiao and Mayweather ever fight? Will we ever get what we want here in the bout that I think everyone's been waiting for? For many years now. We'll also have a little mention of the Kentucky Derby for you. For all you horse fans out there. And we'll also have some NASCAR for you as usual from Megan. Don't forget the phone number. 517-432-3893 is the phone number. Give us a call. I'll show and let us know what you think. But we are going to start with Michigan State and the playoff system or the plus one system, however you want to talk about it. Mark Hollis and Dave Brandon uh, you know, met with uh, the other commissioners for the 11 football subdivision uh, conferences, plus Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbuck. They met to talk about the future of the BCS conference. And still, they say a lot of details need to be hammered out with this, but most likely there will be a 14 playoff system after the 2014 season. Dave Brandon, again, AD from Michigan, says, quote, I'm not opposed to one versus four, two versus three, plus one concept. I don't see it as a true playoff system. It's a clever way to come up with one more football game. I'm not sure i call that a playoff, but it makes everybody feel better. Call it a playoff. And, quote, Mark Hollis also said, quote, I've made comments before that I'm in favor of exploring a process that would allow some form of a four leading to two leading to one format. I guess you can perceive that as being a plus one or other system. This is something I mean the BCS has been under controversy since 1998 when they come up with when they came up with this system. Every year teams feel that there are you have your teams that feel that they were left out of the mix, they're not going to the bowl they thought they should be deservedly going to. The playoff system won't necessarily correct that, but Megan, I'll start with you. Is the playoff system you as a college football fan, would you rather see the playoff system still, you know, have them implement that or are we fine with the BCS?
2: I've never liked the BCS. Okay. Um, I'm one of those people that have always said that the BCS is flawed. But if you think about it, there's not a system I think that can be perfect that everyone's going to like. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a good concept to explore. I think it's a good thing to look at. I don't think it's something that you look at and say, no, absolutely not. I think it's something they should look into a little bit. Um, but I think it's a step in the right direction, maybe to kind of help the flaws a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean not not to like bring this into it but Michigan State fans you know will find every single possible way that we get screwed every single year not going to a BCS bowl always always and you know but they, they didn't deserve to
0: go to a BCS they bowl do guys.
2: they do deserve to go to, go to a BCS bowl
0: yeah, I don't know about a BCS bowl i mean
2: i mean so, under
0: the system they were 10 and 3
2: i mean if you want to talk about like wisconsin where they more deserving 11 to go and three, excuse me yeah
0: well it was the problem is, you know, we got penalized for losing in the championship game. Yeah. Michigan State had control of that destiny, though. They win that game. Right. They're going to the Rose Bowl.
2: I don't know. I, I think it's a good thing to explore. I don't think it's something that should be completely just forgotten about because a lot of people are unhappy with how it is. That's just how I feel about it. Oh,
0: well, they definitely are. I mean, David, Alex, I mean, obviously we're all fans of college football. To you, what does the BCS mean, the way we have it right now?
3: Um... A lot of people complain about it, but I mean... A lot
0: of people do, but at the same time, a lot of people understand you're never going to have that perfect system, so what's wrong with this one?
3: I don't know. (laughs) Um, I do like the playoff system, though, because then Uh you have a a bit more competition with the four seed, one seed. I mean, the one seed's never always going to come out on top, which always brings a different stir to things. So you have the four seed versus the three seed, say, for that extra game, Uh and you have the one and two fighting for that second spot I guess you could say I mean uh, just like Megan said it's not I mean I say that they should explore it and I mean it doesn't hurt to take that road and try and find different results different answers and see how the people like it.
0: Without a doubt I mean I think just one of the, the few things that people they and they have to hammer these details out of course mm-hmm. but where do you play these games at a lot of people have been saying they should stick to, you know, just the sites of the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the mm-hmm. Fiesta. You know, they, they should stick to those bowls. Some others say they should be played at campus sites. With regard to that, Alex, what do you think with that?
1: Well, the, the, the location of each game obviously is a key. I mean, well, it's
0: huge. It really is.
1: But, but what I think this really comes down to, as much as Megan did say that Michigan State... Cordially will get jipped once in a while of a spot. But I think it really comes down to those three, four teams that are ranked really high at the end of the season. TCU, Boise State, those teams that are argu- arguably going to play in that championship game that end up not getting the chance because of their division and the rating of the BCS and how they organize it. I think that's going to be the key issue of this playoff system. And even though in any Pac-10, any Big Ten division, a- any playoff would be great just like they do it in the Big Ten conference tournament in college yep. basketball. But to me, it only comes in certain circumstances. I do think that in the regular season, that those conference games really do determine who's going to win that division championship. Yes. I think it should come to an extent, but when it comes to the national stage, I do like it in the championship games, in the BTS championship.
0: No, I do too. And I, I've always been a proponent of the playoff system. I'm not a proponent of it for the fact that I think it's going to solve the problems of the BCS. Because... I think I'm going to read a quote from Dave Brandon because he really says it best. He says, quote, if we go to the plus one model, which I'm perfectly fine with, whoever the fifth rated team is, is going to be really mad and will find all things to criticize how the first (laughs) four teams were selected. Great quote. You are not going to solve the wonderful controversy and debate of the final regular season rankings. You are still going to have the controversy and the questions asked. And I have no problem with that. It's not a perfect science, end quote. And I think Brandon does say it best there that no matter what system you have, yeah, someone's ranked fifth. They're going to be crying into you know their bowl of cereal. You know the next you know day because well we're, we're we're on the outside looking in, but I'm just happy to see that okay you know our ads are happy with this and you know we're seeing movements going forward towards them working on this. It's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen in the blink of an eye. But for the start of the 2015 season, it looks like something that could be very exciting. I think for everyone, really to tune into something different. It's not you know. This the BCS system's only been around since '98. It hasn't been around for 40 years. These things can change. They can find better ways to improve them. So, really, when it comes down to it, you just like to see collegiate sports or even professional sports looking at different ways to better their leagues and not changing really the whole format of the regular season necessarily to get there. But uh, it will be an interesting thing to see really where this ends up uh, in the next few years, because we'll definitely be hearing a lot more about it. Sports Illustrated came out with their uh, post-spring practice power rankings. Uh, they released those uh, last uh, few days. Michigan State ranks 10th in the pre-post-practice uh, spring practice rankings. Michigan ranks 13th, and LSU uh, LSU's number one, USC's number two, Alabama's your three, Oregon four, Oklahoma five, Wisconsin's in there at six. Does the number ten ranking, you know, three ahead of Michigan, fair enough for you? This is post spring practice. That's I mean, the this thing. <laughs> is not this isn't the rankings these teams are going to have necessarily. I mean, I know it doesn't mean much, but are we happy to see where State uh, falls here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just means they've had a, a good spring practice. You know, teams, although it is a spring, they do they do go hard to a certain extent. I hope so. as long as they don't <laughs> hurt their own players. Like you know, a couple went down during the spring game. Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I don't think it's an indication of much. I think it just shows people that we are going to be a force this year, and we Defensively, are going very good this without year. a doubt. Yeah, I think we're going to be pretty good this year, and I think that just kind <clears> of <throat> it's kind of what people it shows people what we've been working on. I yeah. guess There's more of it. Other than that, it's it's not that big of a deal. I
0: think to me, no, I agree with you. Yeah. it's really not. It's like the first rankings I've seen, so it's like I'll mention them. Might as well mention these first. Uh, you know. <laughs> rankings they just love to throw a million of them out there right I, I think um you know uh, Staples who's actually he's the one who does the uh, power rankings for Sports Illustrated I really do agree with what he says about our team he says quote I still love the athletes on defense and I still think the Spartans are the best built Big Ten team to compete outside the conference but I want to see the offense against an actual opponent End quote because the defense without a doubt I think is going to be stellar it's going to be a top five top 10 defense the entire year Maxwell did get injured you know, mm-hmm. he hasn't been playing as much. You wonder, I mean, we lost a lot of talented players this last year to the Jets. Keyshawn Martin, B.J. Cunningham, uh, Lithicum. But
2: we also have a, Todd lot of, Anderson. a lot of good backups. Kirk
0: Cousins. Kirk Cousins, Cousins you know, did. three-year starter, you know, the guy who's the leader of this team. I mean, we haven't. I, I haven't seen the spring game. I didn't go to the spring game. I've just done a lot of reading about the Spartans in general. How do you guys think this offense is going to come together? Well, Just with the brand new quarterback, sure, you know. sure,
1: of course. With Andrew Maxwell coming back, that's going to be a key for Michigan State this year. Brand new quarterback, but I think a big key is their receivers. I like the addition of DeAnthony Arnett. We were talking about that earlier, yes. Dave. DeAnthony Arnett was highly leaning towards going to a Michigan school. The fact that you continue the tradition of Michigan State receivers is a plus. And with that, in recent news within uh, the last couple days here, Andre Ryson. A very famous Michigan State graduate is now coming back to help the receivers, so for me that is awesome. I think that's going to be key for the Michigan State Spartans is that offense that was so dynamic this last season and if they can get back to another big Ten championship
0: without a doubt i mean i think I think the offense you know you'll see some bumps in the road here throughout the season, but I think the team is going to be in every game because of their defense
1: see see and th- this is the question I ask you here you, you 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 pointed out that rating that that Sports Illustrated did gave. That, that that Sports Illustrated did give us, yeah. they gave us tenth. Now, for me, I'm not buying that at all. I, I don't see how they can how how they can put a team tenth that made it to the Big Ten Championship last year, even though they do leave, leave, even though they do leave a quarterback behind.
0: That's the thing. I think it's because they left. I mean, not only did you leave a quarterback behind, and everyone's still, I mean, William Golston, he's a monster, and we've seen you know, Lawrence Thomas, We've seen a lot of guys that are going to be very good here with this program. But you lost your all worthy. You lost some staples there to your team, so I think 10th is fair enough due to how many players we had go in the draft, and we lost. And like Megan said, I agree with you 100%. These rankings are so...
2: They're silly. They're silly. It's like it's like looking at spring training and baseball. They're silly. Yeah.
0: Let's rank how the you know, Tigers did in the Grapefruit League. Yay! Oh, yay! Tigers <laughs> we'll dominated. Tigers are game above 500, so I mean... <laughs> You can't put too much stock. Let's look
1: at the Lions preseason, 4-0 and consecutive years.
0: Uh, yeah, then 0-16. <laughs> we can't. You can't put too much um, on rankings. But it, it is nice to see, though, that still, you know, the country in general, they know Michigan State will be one of the top-tier teams in the Big Ten, competing with Wisconsin, competing with Michigan, and I think competing with Ohio State. I think Urban Meyer, Ohio State's not down for too long, uh, without a doubt. And uh, I think we all saw last year that Braxton, that young athletic quarterback for Ohio State, He's going to mature into a much better quarterback this year, and Urban Meyer is Urban Meyer. The guy has success no matter where he goes, so I think it's going to be a fun year in the big Ten, without a doubt. Some more scary news on the highway for our Michigan State players. William Goldston and Lawrence Thomas were involved in a rollover accident Wednesday afternoon on I-96 near Brighton. Uh, both luckily walked away with minor injuries. Um, here's a quote from uh, the Associated Athletic Director, John Lewinowski. He says, quote, William Golston, uh, Golston and Lawrence Thomas were shaken after being involved in a rollover accident Wednesday afternoon. The police responded within minutes of the accident, and thankfully no one was injured. Fortunately, both, fortunately, both of them were wearing their seatbelts, and that made a big difference in ensuring their safety. So, I mean, it was a rollover accident. That's scary in its own right. Adrian Payne just got in an accident, what, two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. He was okay. Thank God. (laughs) Just thank God. And I'm not saying for the pro, I'm just saying for them, their families, everybody. I mean, a roller accident on I-96, that's just, you hear that and you think, how did anyone walk away
3: (laughs) with just scrapes
0: and bruises? Exactly. So just wanted to mention that for anyone who had not heard about the accident. They are both completely fine. And wear your seatbelts, kids. (laughs) Bottom line, it's not cool not to. Trust me.
2: Everyone, just stay around East Lansing. You don't yeah. need to go anywhere anymore.
0: Yeah. What are you doing in Brighton? No, exactly. What seems yeah. to be even a it's bigger
1: storyline. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what even seems to be a bigger storyline is the media and the, and the press that the Michigan State Athletic Department has been getting lately. You mm-hmm. see what happens with this recent accident. You see Derek Nix. You see Brandon Wood. It's amazing this media attention in the offseason period after a tough loss in the NCAA tournament and a tough loss in the Big Ten Championship. Tough losses. Now, my question I ask you guys is: What do you think all this press press means for the team? Do you think that is going to have an effect on them during the year?
0: Car accidents are car accidents. That's not going to mean anything. I think they're done and forgotten with immediately. Uh, the guys are fine. If these guys, you know, were severely injured or injured in some way where they might not be able to play, then we would be talking about it more. Brandon Wood's not with the program, so that's an afterthought to me. And Derek Nix got reinstated into the program. Nix is the only guy, you know, you just make, I want to make sure he toes the line. Yeah. We need him bad next year. He's going to be the leader of this team, most likely the captain of this team, the only senior on this team. So Derek Nix, just do good, buddy. <laughs> just do good I just don't want to hear Any more news And yeah. bad things Regarding our <laughs> players Like I said yeah. th- Thank God Brandon Wood's Not with us anymore mm-hmm. Make good choices Yeah Just Yeah We're, I understand they're young We've talked about this Young people are going make to make, make mistakes But you know This is your final year This is a great opportunity A privilege many people Don't have the opportunity for So just try to take Advantage of that uh, former Michigan State wide receiver Keith Nickel, he signed with the Washington Redskins and started a three day uh, mini camp uh, starting on Thursday night. He accepted the deal and announced it on Twitter on uh, Wednesday night. So, Nickel is reunited with Mr. Kirk Cousins down there in Washington. So, congratulations, Keith Nickel.
2: Mm-hmm. They were getting a lot more slack for that again. Did you hear about that?
0: From what, ESPN. more complaints?
2: Yes, they have three, oh. three quarterbacks. Quote unquote. Now, I mean, that's a he, funny joke, but yeah, uh, ESPN's blowing it way out of proportion.
0: Which I think I, I was watching. <laughs> yeah, ESPN the horn or will something. make a mockery of anything. Yeah. when they feel like it. But <laughs> entertainment sports programming network. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> they decide to blow up whatever they want. Mike, you know, Shanahan just said RG3 is their starting quarterback from day one. I, I don't think we ever doubted that. No, I think we knew RG3 was going to be the guy, and I still, everyone wanted a lot of people wanted to slam them for picking up Cousins. I thought it was a smart decision to have we've all seen what happens when you don't have backup quarterbacks that are decent or backup quarter. or you don't have backups at all the lions had to deal with that you know 2 years ago no stafford hill his, you know forearm and then yeah, you got drew stanton in there which is i'm not knocking drew stanton but still you need to have as many backups as possible so i think cousins is a great pick for him why not you know sexy rexy as i like to call him he's going to be gone he's not staying with washington <laughs> they already cut john beck they're going for a younger team and yes. I like to see it. I mean, I like Washington and they have not had a good quarterback in years.
3: No oh, years. Years. They need years them. upon years. They're on rebuilding mm-hmm. terms right now and bringing in R G three, then you got Kurt Kunz is the back him up, and then you bring in Nickel, who is he's got hands. He does. And if you need he him to can throw make the ball, plays. And if you need him to throw the ball, he can throw the ball. And I mean Washington brought in McNabb, but he's he's pretty much he's too old to throw the ball. Yeah, I mean or McNabb. Washington's not the right fit, but and McNabb's bringing in, done. bringing them all in I mean hey young, young team,
0: team I like to see it you know grow. they did, did a pretty good job in the draft by you know picking up guys to you know protect r g three as well, and that's the thing with mobile quarterback like r g three You don't know when something could happen to him. Cousins, a good backup to sit in there and fill in if necessary. Uh, We did lose a player here for uh, the Michigan State football team. MSU long snapper Mac Giampapa left the program for personal reasons. This is an article from Detroit News. They confirmed this on Friday. He says he wants to be closer to his home in Jackson, Tennessee. He did play all 13 regular season games last year, his freshman season, but he was suspended for the Outback Bowl for an undisclosed violation of team rules. So... Long snapper gone. If he wants to be closer to home, good for him.
1: Another violation of a media frenzy getting out.
0: Yeah, media frenzy. Personal reasons. Not a big deal. No one nationally could even. I mean, I barely noticed this story on Detroit News. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just on it too often, yeah. uh, messing around. But yeah, our long snapper is no longer with us at this point. Again, the phone number is 517-432-3893. If you want to call and comment on the Michigan State football team as we were speaking of the playoff system, give us a call. But we are going to dive in to our Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers had a two-game series uh, last week here against the Kansas City Royals it was supposed to be a three-game series, but the Monday game was postponed due to a rainout. They're going to make that game up on September 24th, uh, pretty much the end of the season, so that's when uh, they will make up that game. But on Tuesday, they got a nice win, 9-3 to against KC at Comerica. Porcello getting his second win of the season, pitching a very solid game. The Tigers' bats coming alive in this ball game. finally. Uh, I haven't seen this team score that many runs in a minute. Pretty much since the Boston series yeah. uh, to start the season off, so very nice to see a good win there. A very tough loss for the Tigers on Wednesday, losing three to two to the Kansas City Royals. But we're going to dive right into the Chicago White Sox series, a little bit more interesting series this weekend. Tigers got to win five to four on Friday. Valverde getting the close, uh, very nice win for the Tigers. This whole series, this whole weekend, was very close, low scoring. It was a good, good series. Walk off home run from Johnny Peralta Friday night, pretty awesome shot. They almost lost this game. Johnny hit a monster to uh, center right field. Right center field, great job by Johnny Peralta. But on Saturday, Mr. Jose Valverde, who didn't blow a save for a season in like two games, <laughs> has now blown two saves this season, blowing the lead. Saturday they had a two-one lead bottom uh, top of the ninth inning two outs two strikes on Adam Dunn and Adam Dunn did what he couldn't do last year and that's hit a home run and he Adam Dunn got it done got the go-ahead two run home run to go up three to two Tigers could not get anything done in the bottom of the ninth losing three to two tough loss there I mean, Scherzer had a great outing that game. It was very unfortunate he could not get the win with that game. Pitched an amazing game. On Sunday, the Tigers had a nice win, 3-1 Porcello. Another great start. Porcello, great job on the mound, pitching to a lot of contact, as Porcello usually does. Uh, Three home runs for Detroit, so get your curly fries if you feel like it still. Print off that box score. Uh, Tigers get three home runs. Austin Jackson, Prince Fielder, and Andy Dirks. Putting the power in. Tigers get a win 3 <laughs> 1. Tigers are 14 13 right now in the Central Division, two games behind the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians playing a doubleheader today against the Chicago White Sox, and the Tigers are about to start a three game series on the road against the Seattle Mariners. I'm going to ask the listeners what have you liked best, and what has worried you the most about the Tigers so far through 27 games? Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three 38 93 is the number. Megan, we love the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Love them. Mm-hmm. Watch, and now I'm happy because I can catch every game this week. Oh. I usually work till 9 and always miss like half the game at least. Right. Now I can catch every game. What do we think of the Tigers right now?
2: See, I'm, I am i don't. Ugh. It's going to be tough for me to say just because this weekend's been so crazy with graduation. Yeah. I haven't really been able to watch. Very but many I mean, games. it's a general
0: idea. General I mean, ideas. lower scoring games this right. past weekend, yep. good pitching from Porcello and Scherzer, who right. we had question marks about from last week. This team is playing 19 of 24 games on the road the rest of this month. Okay.
2: They're not terrible on the road.
0: No, they're not. They're they're pretty much exactly even compared to the road and you know on home. I mean, on the road they're five and four. At home they're nine and nine.
2: See, that doesn't bother me. So they're, they're very the even. Road. Yeah. They're... Um. It sounds like from what you've been saying, it sounds like they're starting to figure their pitching out, mm-hmm. um, which is good because I think that's what we were on them the most last time we talked about this. Definitely. Um. The one person I've been hearing a lot of people talk about on top on top of me talking about him is Andy Dirks. Um. Last year he got sent up and down, up and down, back in you know Toledo, back up here. Then someone else would come off the DL, and he gets sent back down to Toledo. Like, But he's, I think he's proving that he deserves to be up in the in the major leagues. Um, Should he, this
0: guy play every day?
2: I don't think every day. Okay. But I think he's getting to that point where he can play a lot. Um, I think he's a great defensive player, great outfielder, and his like you said, he, he's starting to hit.
0: He, he's definitely starting to hit. The kid's batting now, right now, what, 313? Right. I know that's only been at 48 at-bats this season, but he has a 910 OPS – He's slugging He's slugging better than, uh, you know, Cabrera's slugging right now. He's slugging 583. Right. So, I mean, Dirks is hitting. I agree with you. I think he's a better defensive uh, left fielder than I mean, Ryan Rayburn. Rayburn. Ryan
2: Rayburn. Ryan <laughs> Rayburn. I think he should
0: go away, too. <laughs> Ryan Rayburn. You bet him 134. The new Brandon Inge of the Detroit <laughs> Tigers, Ryan Rayburn. Maybe,
2: maybe yes. Leland will wake up in two years and get rid of him. Maybe. <laughs> we
0: will see. Alex, you know, watching the Tigers here, I know we've talked to you, a huge baseball fan. What have you liked best and what has worried you the most here? I mean... We're not too far into the season.
1: Oh it's, it's very early to still to, to still start, but the thing for me that really defined the Detroit Tigers this week was starting pitching. You look at statistically, a 214 combined ERA this week. Fantastic. A lot of no decisions. There only has been one winning pitcher this week, but I do like the fact that Schus or Porcello, as we were talking earlier, they're finally coming around. They've had a lot of close jams that they've gotten out of, especially because of their hitting, of course. Yeah, you got a guy like Prince Fielder, Fielder the other day hitting that monster 423 to left. Um, for me, though, the worst thing of the Tigers so far, it's got to be the relief pitching. Valverde, a guy who consistently has been a reliable closer now, two bone saves on the year, that to me is a key characteristic. Um, we were talking earlier, jo- Joaquin Benoit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: also a high ERA to start the year. These are guys that are getting contract numbers.
0: That are pretty big. Uh,
1: pretty big guys, pretty big investments from the team. I compare something like this, like a Valverde, to Heath Bell from Miami, just got demoted as from the closer role. Look, you look at a guy like Valverde, 35, going on to his, late, his early 40s. A guy like Heath Bell, same kind of situation. Getting older. Contract year, Heath Bell getting a contract with the Miami Marlins, new team. That is a big concern for me as you see the Miami Marlins fall. I am a little worried that the same thing can happen to the Tigers. So my question for you and also the listeners, is there a guy out there that can back up Valverde? Do you see a guy in that in that bullpen?
0: Honestly, I mean Bilo's not a closer. I think Bilo's the best guy we have in long relief. I think Great Arsenal. Probably the best the best guy we have in the bullpen. Honestly, we're paying Valverde a lot of money, like you said, and he's just gonna have to figure it out. I'm not gonna put too much into two blown saves. I know that blown save statistic is kind of funny in the fact that so much has to go perfectly right for that guy to get that save. A lot of the times, it's not even on him. It could be a defensive error. It could just be, honestly, a great player, a great hit made by the opposing offense. My thing is really just the pitching as a whole, not to just focus on Valverde. Valverde does need to figure it out. Valverde, like me and Megan have talked, he's always a guy that is going to get you, you know, your brows sweating and you biting your fingernails, those final three outs of the game. You know, David, looking at this team... What's the thing that worries you most? Is it
3: the pitching? Yeah, I uh, t- agree with the pitching. We need uh, guys to step up behind Verlander. I mean, we—he's had his no-no, and uh, Valverde is good, but he's sometimes he's inconsistent. But I mean, we got the bats. We brought in Fielder, huge pickup. Just like Megan said, Andy Dirks. Right now, he's second behind Laird in batting average for the Tigers. Cabrera and Cabrera is batting and, great. He's doing Jackson, a great job. They're all doing their parts. So, I mean, along with the pitching and the uh, the young guns or and the other guys, they need to step up their bets. We can't always rely on Fielder and Cabrera to hit a bomb like late in the game. I mean, I don't follow baseball a lot, but I mean, behind Verlander, we need more support.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the pitching's starting to come around. Uh, Doug Fister Definitely. is coming back tonight. Doug Fister, Huge. who was on the uh, he was on the DL for uh, around 20 days. Uh, he was off, uh, you know, kind of late, uh, late April. He had a strain in his uh, side. Uh, he will be on the mound here tonight against Beaven. Uh, it should be a good game. Fister against 10 Ten ten is your start time for that uh, baseball game. If you like to check that out, just from watching the Tigers recently, the the one thing I'm getting fed up with, and it's something that goes back to last season, and something that for some reason is contagious with the Detroit Tigers is leaving runners on base. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm very tired of it. They left 12 guys on base yesterday. A lot of times maybe with two outs, but this is a great two out team. We saw last year, we scored the bulk of our runs with two outs. They're leaving way too many guys on base. They do only rank. I mean, their ranking isn't bad. They rank fifth best in all of baseball for runners left on base with 6.33 runners per game. But, that statistic is not indicative of your game-to-game play.
1: And Dave, I do want to point out that I think a key for that reason of that low percentage of runners left on base is Brennan Bosch. The number 2 spot consistently has been Placido Polanco in the past Tigers in the past in the past decade. Placido Polanco before he was tra- that he was eventually transferred over to Philadelphia. Yeah, he
0: said I want to go to F- I mean his contract was up. He wanted to go back <laughs> right. to Philadelphia. He
1: was consistently a number 2 guy, second baseman that can produce. You look at the second baseman this year, Still a big gap Still a big hole And you look at a guy Like Brennan Bosch This week he was hitting 095 And now he was demoted Now to the 8th spot And then you got Andy Dirks moving and on And Dirks moved in too I think that 2 spot Really is an underrated position That I think is a key For the Tigers this year
0: I agree I mean the 2 position I think is absolutely huge Austin Jackson's my MVP Of the Detroit Tigers To this point in the season Austin Jackson Batting 311 and 902 OPS He's doing exactly What we need him to do He's already hit 4 home runs this season Only hit 10 All of last year So, Austin Jackson really doing what we need from the leadoff position. Prince Fielder, he's doing well. He can hit for more power. His slugging's a little low for my liking. I think Fielder figures that out. Cabrera's going to get it done. But, yeah, Brennan Bosch, he's batting 205 total right now, an OPS of five fifty six. Everyone seems to sometimes forget Brennan Bosch is struggling because he cranks a homer every now and then. But, really, Bosch at the two-spot is not doing as well as we need him to be doing. And they need to just get runners in. Whether it's playing a little more small ball, I know Leland doesn't like to do it, but there are times Leland needs to get somebody home and do the little things, whether it's dropping the bunt, doing a suicide squeeze, getting extra runs. Because even yesterday, with as great of a game as Porcello pitched, this game was still 2-1 to one late in this game, and you still felt the whole time the Tigers could lose it. Yeah. And you can't have that. It's just it's unacceptable. The Tigers are only two games out. They're not behind that much. Don't get me wrong at all. But... This is going to be a competitive division between Cleveland and Chicago, I think, the rest of the way. Minnesota looks like they're going to fall into a pit, and Kansas City's not doing too much better right now at 9-18. and So Detroit, they're going to have a lot of games on the road here. As you mentioned, Megan, it doesn't bother me they're over five hundred on the road, but it's not easy for a ball club, just for guys when you can never go home. I mean, 19-24 to 24 games... That's a lot. The only home series you're playing the rest of this month, you'll have two games at Comerica on 16th and 17th against Minnesota, and then three games against the Pittsburgh Pirates when they kick off uh, one interleague series. So three games against Seattle. We'll have go tonight against Beaven. Verlander will be on the mound tomorrow night against Millwood, and Smiley will take on Vargas to finish off the series Wednesday. All three of those games at 10, 10 p.m. So if you work in the morning... Too bad for you. You're not going to catch the games. And uh, the next series should be a really good series. Very excited to see. We're going to go travel to Oakland to face the athletics here. Oakland playing very good baseball right now. Oakland will have Scherzer kick off that series with Oakland against Ross. Porcello will face Bartolo Colon, which should be a very good matchup on Friday night.
1: Kills the Tigers always, Bartolo. Yeah, Bartolo
0: Colon. Great pickup from New York for Oakland. They somehow get rid of all their great pitchers. Cahill, all these guys and they're still pitching phenomenally. Pfister yeah. will be back on the mound Saturday, and Sunday Verlander will go against McCarthy. And we'll get to see our boy Brandon Inge. <laughs> you 20. know, he had a home run. He had four RBIs in the game yesterday.
2: I told you, this is what Four happens. RBIs. We get rid of people, and then they just go nuts.
0: That's all he's going to do, though, trust me. I mean, it's, it's not going to be some Brandon Inge batting like 320. You know, <laughs> he ends up with 55 RBIs.
2: You never know, though.
0: I guess I don't know for it's sure. It's baseball. It is baseball, and Brandon's got a smile on his face like none other now. And he's happy to be gone. I think everyone's pretty happy. And now we can all start booing Ryan Rayburn. Woo! <laughs> but uh, we are going to take a quick break here in the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we get back, we're going to just talk a little, little bit more baseball, just some of the other teams, surprises in the American League East, National League East, some teams that are doing a lot more than we thought they would. We'll also get into the Junior sayout topic about concussions in football, depression, NFL's been under a lot of scrutiny lately, and we're going to get into that. Floyd Mayweather, Pacquiao Talk, Kentucky Derby NASCAR, phone number's 517-432-3893. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to
1: Impact Exposure.
0: Now, back to
1: Impact Exposure.
0: And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave, Megan, Alex, and David here with you. I uh, have about 25 minutes left, so we're going to really dive right in. But we were discussing the Detroit Tigers and MSU football. So if you guys still want to call in, comment on that. You can still give us a call, 517-432-517. 38-93. We're gonna briefly discuss just some of the other teams in Major League Baseball right now. And most surprisingly, the Baltimore Orioles. Best record in baseball right now, 19-9. They have a three and a half game lead over the Toronto Blue Jays, a four-game lead over the Yankees, and a seven and a half game lead over the Red Sox. The Yankees and the uh, Yankees and the Red Sox, the bottom teams in the American League East right now. Very surprising. Baltimore, <laughs> Tampa Bay, and Toronto on top of the AL East. Texas, Texas, as we assumed, is on top of the AL West with Oakland trailing only by three and a half games. The Washington Nationals as well making some headlines. 18-10 right now leading the National League East. They have a half-game lead on the Braves, and that division is going to go the distance, I think. It's a very competitive division, very close. The Phillies, one of the best pitching staffs. They just can't score. They are four and a half games out right now in the National League East. St. Louis Cardinals have the lead in the NL Central two and a half games over the Cincinnati Reds. And the Houston Astros did lose yesterday but had won five straight to get back to almost 500. They're 13 and 15 right now. And the L.A. Dodgers behind Matt Kemp are leading the National League West at 18 and 10. Matt Kemp, an absolute monster. That's all we can really say about him. What team just stands out to you the most? Right now, that has you know is doing something that we did not expect.
1: To me, this is a no-brainer. It has to be the Baltimore Orioles. You look like a you look at a team like Boston getting swept from the Tigers the first series. Now they're getting swept by the Orioles. You look at that 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 division, that Orioles division, the AL. Is this division as powerful as it was two years ago, three years ago? I don't think so. And I do think that yes, the Baltimore Orioles are a big story, but it does come at the cost of the fact that the teams this year in the AL East. I don't think are that competitive as they were.
0: Okay, Megan. I don't know. (laughs) Who do you like? I mean, Baltimore is a good story. The Nationals, they're a pretty good story. I like Oakland. Oakland, I've always liked the athletics. I guess the better question is, can Baltimore hold on to the AL East? We're early into the season. Look at Cleveland run away with a crazy record to start last year, and they faded like none other. Does Baltimore maintain this lead? Does Baltimore maintain this division lead? I don't think so. Okay. I
2: think there's just too many games left. I mean, what do we have, like 140, 100, like 130-something? Basically,
0: like, yeah, 135, yeah. yeah, 135 games left.
2: Yeah, it's just like... Which is, yeah, a few. <laughs> like like you said, <laughs> just a, a few, few, just a few. Um, no, like you said, though, Cleveland Indians doing extremely well at the beginning of the year, and then by the time we got about halfway through the season, you and I both said, they're going to fade, they're well, not going to last, and then they did. And they I, did? I just think baseball is too unpredictable. Oh, yeah. I think, um, you know, a team can be hot and then all of a sudden they go cold and they don't they don't get hot again. You know, and I, I don't think they're going to hold on to it. Not saying that they're going to be terrible and yeah. they're going to start losing every single game, but I just don't think they're going to be able to hold on to a lead like that.
0: I, got you. I mean, because Tampa Bay's right there. They're only a half game behind them. Toronto, with, you know, behind uh, you know, Batista, they're right there in three and a half. I'm not putting the Yankees out of anything. They are the New York Yankees. They're only four games out. Please don't discount the Yankees, ladies and gentlemen. Never. They're the Yankees. <laughs> okay, they're the Yankees. The Boston, though. Boston, though, I don't think that's an aberration. Boston's looking like a team that will miss the playoffs, at least oh, right now. Yeah. The way they're playing, Buck Holes has a nine-point-something ERA going right now. Everything's in dysfunction in Boston. I don't think one thing's going well for them out there. Bobby Valentine, this, is gonna, this year is going to test you know his cojones. It's going to be very tough for Bobby Valentine and that fan base in Boston to accept this team with the way they're struggling. They've lost five straight now again. I know they had picked it up. But
1: whew. see, and I don't know what your opinion on th- on this issue is, though. That Theo Epstein now going to the Cubs, do you think that front office change had anything to maybe do with it?
0: I think the whole regime change definitely did. I mean, you bring in, I mean, Francona, who's, I think, one of the best managers in the game, maybe behind Socia. It's going to affect how, you know, your ball club runs. I mean, Francona was their guy. Valentine's a tough nose. And who says a lot of the guys necessarily respect him? He's already called out Euclidus, already created a little uproar. You know, yeah. Padroy had his comments in regard to that. so early, too. And and it's early. Boston had the same rough start last year, and then they had a great run, and they still missed the playoffs uh, on the final day.
2: I thought they weren't either. Didn't I say I thought they were going to make it? Yeah? Yeah. Dang. Dang. (laughs)
0: Called
1: out.
2: (laughs) But...
0: Uh, baseball, it's, it's looking great. I think uh, it's a lot of great division. I don't think anyone's really necessarily running away, even as well as the Dodgers have been playing. San Francisco's just four games back of them right now. Everything is very close here in the National League and the American League, so a lot of great baseball. <laughs>
2: Yay, Magic. Takes over the Dodgers. And That's right. they doing well. <laughs>
0: Dodgers, Dodgers, I'm happy they're good. They're a team that it's good for baseball when the Dodgers are good, one of the most, you know, Famous franchises of all time. I mean, they came from Brooklyn. Obviously, they're in L.A. now. And but, after
2: they went bankrupt. So and they had too. Frank
0: McCord, who was spending that money like it was an ATM, That you know his, his ball club. It was <laughs> A abs- never ending. absolutely terrible, Frank McCord. But they seem to be back on track. <laughs> good. And that's good for the Dodgers. I've always liked the mm-hmm. Dodgers. We're going to talk some football right now. Junior Seau, who had played in the league for 15, uh, 15 years, roughly, uh, long career in the NFL, very storied player. We all know the name Junior Seau. We've all seen him play. Junior Seau committed suicide last week. Gunshot wound, single gunshot wound to his chest, at the age of 43. Basically, you know, left a note. Suicide. You know, depression really is what set in for this man. They they want to study his brain. The family is reconsidering the decision whether to allow medical, you know, the medical uh, researchers to study his brain. Here's my question for everyone. Megan, we talked about this about two, three weeks. No, it was maybe more like a month or five weeks ago. It was about the NFL and whether it's going to lose popularity. Mm-hmm. And whether, not 10 years from now, not five years from now, 20 years from now, where will the NFL be? There's the bounty scandal. There's over 1,000 former NFL players suing the NFL for not letting them know about the dangers of the sport, not you know helping them out enough with medical costs in their later years. We've seen a number of guys commit suicide. And now, most famously, Junior Seau, a name that rings with people. Ray Easterling killed himself a week ago. No one knows that because he was Ray Easterling, and he played mm-hmm. in the, for the Falcons in the 70s. So people, that gets buried. People don't, it's not even on, on Sports Center. It might be on the ticker for a second. Junior Seau, we've seen this go. Oh, it's been blown up crazily. This has finally put this on the map. Will you let your kids play football? That's my question to the listeners. Bottom line, we've already, people have been talking about it, parents out there, kids, you know, people that might have kids. 517-432-3893, would you allow your son or your daughter to play football with what we are really starting to see with this violent game? And I will start with you, Alex. If you had a son, would you let him play football?
1: If I had a son, I would probably aim for him to play basketball. Okay. Preferably. But... I think I would let him play football depending on how protection in the helmet... How the protection in the helmet uncovers in the next couple of years. I think there definitely needs to be some improvement in that aspect. You take it back from pre prehistoric compared to now NFL. Back then, helmets were a very big part of the game in the reason why they constructed helmets so constructively today. But I think there needs to be a little bit of improvement with that padding. And you see... The guy, a guy like Eric LeGrand getting signed by the Bucks this week. Yeah. I think the media is paying close attention to this issue, and maybe that could have been in the wake of the Junior Seau suicide. You never know. You, this signing of of a paralyzed player like this, I think that does have a lot to do with Junior Seau. I don't know what your thoughts on are on, the, are on that issue.
0: Uh, I think Junior Seau has opened up the can of worms. This is something Troy Aikman alluded to back in February with his comments about the NFL, and this is what we spoke on, were those comments that he thinks the NFL – will not be what it is 20 years from now. No. That it will not be this, honestly, Fortune 500 conglomerate and all-consuming sport. That they will put on, uh, you know, something on ESPN or any show. I mean, it's you it'll, it'll be March and you'll have a million different things. It, like, I thought football was over. Like, no, it's not. It's everywhere. It's peppered everywhere. Megan, if you had a son, would you let him play football?
2: Yeah. I'd Hands d- down. Not a doubt. I mean... It- I've always said I want my kids to do what they want to do. Okay. If they want to play football, um, actually I wanted to bring up like the, the whole concussion thing. I I knew a kid for a really long time in high school and middle school and all that stuff, um, who played football and he had so many concussions from that and lacrosse. They actually make helmets that are a lot more padded. Yeah. For people who have have multiple concussions, so if he would have gotten one more, he would have never been able to play. Is a contact it worth sport. the risk?
0: I, one more concussion. I mean, I, I'm thinking like any given Sunday, you know, he gets hit one more time. <laughs> it's a and the lights could go out, I, right?
2: He enjoyed it. He played, I mean, he played lacrosse all through college. I mean, he played a contact sport for a while after that. He just had a, an extra padded <clears> helmet.
0: But here you wonder, this kid's still young, right?
2: Uh, he's a couple years older than me. Okay, so he's
0: like 23, 25, 26. I think he's like
2: 25, yeah. Okay.
0: What's this guy going to be like at 45? What's he going to be like at 40?
2: Are you gonna tell your kid not to box because there's too much risk for the I'm punches gonna to the
0: head? I I will not let my kid play football. Really? I won't. I, you can you can go play basketball, you can play baseball, you can play curling. If you if you want to go curling,
1: go <laughs> I want, curling. I want my son to do ice skating, I think that's the most gentle sport.
0: I mean well. it, it's not, not necessarily. I mean Kurt Warner had comments, he was on Dan Patrick's show saying his thirteen year old son has already had a concussion from football. You know, it's these types of dangers. And we're seeing, you know, through the chronic traumatic encephalopathy that, you know, with CTE, that this is a big issue. And I think that is what's going to stray parents from letting their kids play this sport.
1: Well, Dave, and also you have to look at the defining line of the issue at hand. You look at guys like Ricky Williams, depression problems. You look at a guy like Junior Seo, suicide. There are many issues that come from football. It's what part of it do you focus on, whether you let your son play or not? Because. A mother can be just just as concerned about her child getting depressed and going on a more radical path in life like of Ricky course. Williams did. Or you can, you can contact him more with the physical aspect of it. To me, these stories are going to fling up every day, and obviously the media is paying a lot more attention to it. The Eric LeGrand story coming out. To me, this really comes down to what part of it they want to focus on at hand. But to me, football is football, and there's going to be
0: injuries. Football is football, and I agree, there's going to be injuries, and that's why I will watch football, and I won't have a problem with that. But that doesn't mean I will let my kid play it. Uh, you know, there are a lot of sports out there for people to play, and I think we've really seen how violent. I mean, I think we've all known how violent this game is. But like you had mentioned, it's not necessarily just the head wounds, the concussions. It's leading to severe depression. It's not a coincidence. There's over a thousand former players suing the league. That's not just a. That's not just happening. You know, it's very alarming. The bounty scandal, Junior Seau's death. The NFL is under the most scrutiny I've ever seen the league in in my entire life. And that can very much hurt this league. Not to mention the oversaturation, as we had discussed, Alex, that football is on too many days a week. I said it. It's on too <laughs> many days a week. The NFL is on too many days. You, what was exciting about the NFL was that it was on Sunday and then you had your Monday night game. That's what got me jazzed up growing up to watch football. It, I'm not jazzed up anymore when, I'm, when I hear about football games like it's the NBA or, the, or baseball where it's on every day.
1: When you saw, when, you saw when, when the NFL started to do Thursday night football games, how did you feel about that?
0: Kind of dumb. Why is it on Thursday night? Well, probably because of the fact why that... Is it, and why is it on NFL Network? <laughs> That's even dumber.
1: Well, not just that, but you look at what's going on in the NFL season, you've got... The NBA starting to loom towards more October. you got college football. I feel like with the amount of even more sports, sports media even increasing today, you're going to start to see a lot more blackouts within NFL games.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely You've think you have seen it will. firsthand
1: with our Detroit Lions. You have.
0: A million times. A million <laughs> times. A million. I had to go to Paul Revere's because he had a satellite dish. It's the only place I could watch the game at. beat You know, back then. But, you now, David, let me ask you. Would you let your kids play football?
3: Probably junior football and that's it.
0: <laughs> okay. So yeah, play at a younger age, have some fun with it, but I don't want you to really try to take something else it. a little
3: further. Yeah, there's certain people that are meant for the game and I don't know, I'm I'm not the biggest guy and I know my kid's not gonna be six foot five and catching balls in the end zone, but I mean I play junior football was 6th, 7th grade, wasn't that much of contact because kids can only hit so hard but yeah, without, no. as soon as you hit the high school level, those kids are relentless they want the ball, they're going to take you out and when you got high school rivalries they just want to annihilate anyone who has the ball and you see it in the NFL, like as soon as the person has the ball, there's 5, 6 guys running at you, imagine 350 pound guys 5 of them just landing on you I, I, got, mean,
1: I gotta say though, in a later note, there is the lingerie football league, I know yeah. there is Tell your kids that may, that may be the way to go. I don't
2: That's, think boys are going to be playing in the lingerie yeah, football the, the lodge, That
0: but. would be terrible.
1: You want to? You, maybe do a little Juana Man? You know, Juana, Juana Man. man.
0: <laughs> you can't
2: cover what's down there though with those shorts that they wear. <laughs> Probably
0: guys. not. You'd be
1: surprised with some guys. Probably not.
0: But the NFL is—they're going to go through tough times. Um, yeah. My one thing I, before we change topics, what I do want to say is, I was just upset the fact that it took someone like Junior sayout to die before every analyst, every journalist, every pundit in the world decided to finally say, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this is kind of a problem. It shouldn't have taken that much. It shouldn't have taken it, a big-name player. It, that's what I'm saying. It shouldn't have taken just Junior Seau, a, you know, a Pro Bowl player, to kill himself for us to finally start in the media to pay attention. It's selective journalism, and to me that's annoying.
1: Of course. I mean, they're the gatekeepers of journalism. And you look at a guy like Marcellus Wiley, a close friend of Junior Seau. I don't know if you caught this interview, but... I did. I know. Marcellus Wiley, sincerely emotional in the Junior Seau death. And I do think, you're right, the media does shape in the fact what they want to put on. They could have a guy like Marcellus Wiley, a close friend, or you could have, you know, Barry Malarouse or or, uh, Mike Ditka analyzing the situation. I think that's, you're absolutely right. That is a different kind of way to analyze it.
0: I mean, this is past two weeks, two guys have killed themselves with self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Again, no one really heard of Ray Easterling. Everyone and their mother heard about Junior Seau. And Ray Easterling, just because he played in the 70s, he had a high-profile lawsuit against the NFL right before he killed himself April 19th. That's a great point. Okay? We didn't know about that. Now it's in every article. If you type in Junior Seau, you'll find something similar to that. That is what frustrates me. That we have, to go, we have to get to this point before we really start telling the public that there really is a problem, that there's something that needs to be investigated, that, something that it, there needs to be something done about this. Whether it's just better counseling, forced counseling for players, because I think if you have it, you know, if just, you know, you can do it if you want. A lot of guys, you know, these are football guys, these are athletes, these are very proud men. I don't think these are men that would necessarily say, yeah, I want to go talk to a psychiatrist. <laughs> but I don't think there's anything wrong with having something built in for the NFL, for guys. You know what? You have to do. An hour of counseling once a week. Maybe once a month. Just something to see, you know. Because if you did that, maybe people would open up a little bit more. Depression is a scary monster. And unless you've been depressed, you don't know anything about it. Unless you've been at that, the bottom of the barrel, you can't put yourself in Junior Seau's shoes. Everyone thinks he was an athlete. He was rich. What did he have to worry about? That's not how depression works.
3: You exactly. could be the
0: richest man in the world and be the most depressed man in the world.
3: Just proves that money doesn't make people happy? No,
0: it doesn't. Everyone has problems. Everyone has issues. And with a lot of these guys, they're left the game, and they don't know what to do with themselves anymore. And not to mention their body's breaking down on them. And even though they have family, and even though they have friends, when you're that depressed, you feel like you have no one.
1: I do got to ask you this question, Dave. You, you see you see the mandatory drug testing in the NFL. You see the mandatory meetings that teams hold do you think there needs to be a certain set time to talk about things like this in this nature?
0: I mean, I think it would be, I think it's a smart thing to have coaches, to have assistant coaches, you know, talk with players on that accord. At least just let them know the door is open. And they probably do. I'm not, I'm not in these locker rooms. I can't say. But I just know the mentality of athletes. And the athletes are to be tough and to be just, you know, I'm, un, I'm indestructible. I don't have a problem in the world. And that's not the case. And I think if you just make it a little bit more acceptable to have these guys seek treatment or have it more available to them if they want, then at least we'll give some guys that option to take that path to try to get some psychiatric help or at least try to get some things off their chest and let somebody else know what they're dealing with. Because as much as you might be close to your dad, as much as you might be close to your wife or husband, that doesn't mean you're going to open, uh, open up about everything to them. Sometimes it's easier when it's just you know a stranger, honestly, in a lot of ways. But we are going to move on past the football issue. If you guys still want to call and comment, it's 517-432-3893 is the phone number. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA for a quick second. A couple series going on. San Antonio is going to try to close out the Utah Jazz tonight. Monday, 8 p.m. is your tip-off time. San Antonio leads the series three games to nothing. And Utah looks like they're going down in flames. San Antonio, my opinion, best team in the Western Conference. As of right now, your second NBA game tonight will be at 1030 p.m. The Memphis Grizzlies will travel to the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers up 2-1 in the series right now. Uh, A lot of close games in this series. It's been a very competitive series. Grizzlies having problems closing games out. See if they can even the series off tonight. Uh, Yesterday in the news of the NBA, the 76ers, the 8th seed against the number one seed of the Chicago Bulls, the bulls lost again losing 89 to 82. 76ers have a 3 games to 1 lead on the bulls right now. The Bulls after losing Derrick Rose, Joe Kim Noah with a twisted ankle not playing in game 4, looking like the best team the best team the team with the best record is going to be knocked out of the playoffs, which is a very disappointing season uh, ending it to the season for the Chicago Bulls. The Celtics absolutely destroyed the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks this team is so annoying. They have so much talent, and they stink it up every year in the playoffs. Celtics up three to one now after uh, winning one hundred one to seventy nine. They had a thirty seven point lead. At one, this is a playoff game. And they had a 37-point lead against the Hawks. Hawks looking discombobulated. Lakers go up 3-1 in their series against the Denver Nuggets. Lakers win a close game, 92-88. Nice three-point hit by Steve Blake. Great pass from Kobe Bryant to really seal that victory for the Lakers. Lakers up 3-1 there. And the New York Knicks finally got their first playoff victory in 12 years, beating the Miami Heat 89-87. The Heat still winning that uh, series three games to one. And they will be playing tomorrow night. Um no, excuse me, they'll be playing Wednesday night. And the last series, the Magic against the Pacers. Pacers up 3 1 on the Dwight Howardless Magic. So it looks like the Indiana Pacers will take care of business tomorrow night. Uh a lot of uncompetitive series, but I still think I, I love the NBA playoffs, so I'm loving every second of it. I know Megan <laughs> loves the NBA. Every time I mention it, she's got that big smile on her face that she has right now. Absolutely loves the NBA. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of game again. You got two games tonight and tomorrow. There's actually four games slated for all you basketball fans out there. So we'll start off at 7 p.m. with the Magic versus the Pacers. 8 p.m. Celtics versus Hawks. It's the 9:30 76ers versus Bulls, and at 10:30 Nuggets versus Lakers. And Oklahoma City swept Dallas. Champions of last year gone. Bye. <laughs> See you later, Dallas. Losing Tyson Chandler too much, I think, for the Dallas Mavericks. So what's going on in the world of NASCAR? The world
2: of NASCAR. Well, yesterday we had Talladega,
0: which oh, I think we, right, we ta- yeah we
2: talked about it. Everyone knows what Talladega is because of the movie. I um, see. <laughs> I I think that's that's the only thing a lot of people know about NASCAR. Well, I
0: right? hope if you're a racing fan, you know Talladega beyond Will Ferrell. Well,
2: I'm just saying, you know, like if you're not a racing fan, everyone very knows true. What Talladega I will is. agree with that, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, it was for the Aaron's 4.99. Um, Pres- Brad Keselowski was your winner.
0: Yeah, Michigan man.
2: Yes, the Michigan man won. Uh, Kyle Busch came in second. Who won actually last weekend's race? Not this past. Yeah, but the week Kyle before. Bush, yep. Yeah, I think, or was it two two weekends ago?
0: No, I think Bush won last. It. I thought he won last week.
2: Oh no, it was last weekend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kyle Bush, Matt Kenseth, Casey Kane, and Greg Biffle comes in fifth. We had Dale in ninth. He just cannot win a race.
0: Hey, he's a top ten machine.
2: He can't he can't yeah. he can finish top ten in every single race, but he just cannot win a race. I still
0: hold stand by. I think he gets think, a win this season. I think
2: he'll get a win this season too. I'm pretty sure Jeff Gordon won the poll in, during did, practice yep. um whatever Saturday night.
0: Yeah, he won the poll and uh and I don't know what happened to Jeff Gordon. Yeah,
2: I don't even know where he like I don't even think I can look for him. I don't think I have enough. Well I mean from what him.
0: I just least saw from the highlights, Keselowski did a nice job just Got a nice draft off, uh, what was it, Kenseth. Mm-hmm. And got just bumped right up there and uh, won Talladega at the final uh, final lap. So, good job for Brad Keselowski. Seems to be having a very good season. So, what are the top five in points? Top five in right points
2: now? we have. Um, Greg Biffle, still the leader. Mm-hmm. He hasn't gone anywhere all season. Um, Matt Kenseth was second. Dale went down to third from second. Um, Denny Hamlin in fourth. And then Kevin Harvick in fifth. Uh, next. Uh, May 12th, so it's Saturday. I only know that because my birthday is Friday. So um, 6.30, there will be a Darlington for the Bojangle Southern 500. The what,
1: bo- do you, <laughs> what do you want for your birthday this year? What kind of win?
0: Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. win. So
1: my, I just said my, my birthday fate. wish would be Brandon Inge to hit over 300 on a new team. <laughs> I would just laugh in his face.
0: If Brandon batted like 285, I would lose it. On the A's. <laughs> even it's two eighty five, I believe. it.
1: I think he's starting a trend of the joke of Detroit is Brandon Inge. Maybe if, if he it, does well in his new team, I, I think that's more of a laughable joke than how poorly he played on the Tigers.
0: Just what's unfortunate about Brandon? Me and Megan have discussed this. Is he was with us for twelve seasons. I just don't like the boos. It's it's not professional to boo someone who's been on your team, who's went through a 100-loss season, who went to the World Series in 2006, played very great for us. It just, we all know we had to go, but I wish the fans would have held a little more class. We all, you know, you can say that he had to go and understand that he's batting like crap. We all understand that. But every time he stepped out, I felt bad for him every time you hear those boos. I mean, how do you, you know, after 12 seasons, you're getting booed daily kind of depressing
2: you can boo Ryan Rayburn as much as you guys want though
0: I will agree with that you can <laughs> definitely boo <laughs> Ryan Rayburn I don't care what you do to him no nope, well, boo Ryan Rayburn any
1: Jim Leland favorite is
0: what I like to criticize yes he's like he's, a Jim Leland his,
1: pet his, his type of
2: guy well, Brandon is cool.
0: Inge was an Illich pet and that's why yeah. Inge was with us for a little too long <laughs> that's
2: because he was the hometown hero he was Brandon Inge he was yeah. around forever
0: exactly yeah. hard to let him go Anyone who watched the Kentucky Derby, if you didn't miss, uh, you know, if you, it was like two minutes, so really you can miss this race in about, you know, three-minute, four-minute, you flip and you miss it. 138th uh, Kentucky Derby took place here on Saturday. And I'll Have Another, uh, which is the name of the horse, uh, won the top uh, top prize. I ended up fishing uh, Bottemeister there. Bottemeister, who was one of the really uh, big touted horses to win the race, came in second, and Dullahan took third place. I'll Have Another had 14-1 to 1 odds to win the race. So, congratulations, to, I'll have another, and I'll start caring if it wins the pre- Preakness. And we have a shot at a Triple Crown.
2: Yeah, every year.
0: That's what I'll wait for. If it wins the Preakness, I'm watching the Belmont, and we'll see if we can get our first Triple Crown winner since 1978. And in quick news, we're going to talk more about this next week. I do need to mention, though, Floyd Mayweather defeated Miguel Cotto in a 12-round unanimous decision. Uh, Floyd Mayweather uh, actually getting a little bloodied in this fight. Cotto uh, hit him with some nice left jabs throughout the fight, but still, when it came down to it, Mayweather landed more punches, was more dominant throughout the fight. Uh, many people that scored the fight had Mayweather winning this fight by about 4 to 5 points. So Mayweather stays undefeated, 43-0. and He's about to go serve a three-month, Uh, a jail sentence for domestic violence. Um, He uh, he was allowed to uh, basically petition the judge to put back his sentence uh, to June 1st, citing that the $100 million economic impact his fight would have if he did not fight in it. So Mayweather's going to serve three months, and he just made $32 million on this fight. So not a bad day for Floyd Mayweather, so I wouldn't mind sitting in jail for three months for thirty two million. <laughs> so I just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into tonight's program. Always a pleasure without a doubt. We'll have a brand new show for you next week. And next week we will definitely get into Pacquiao and Mayweather. Will they fight? Will it finally happen? I don't know. Will we will talk about that next week. For everyone here at the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Rinkyu. I'm Megan. And Alex and David, I really appreciate you guys coming on here today. Definitely a pleasure. And out there, hope you guys all have a great evening. Drive safe and stay out of the rain. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune
2: in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis.
0: Here and only here on Impact 89FM.